25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis, and welcome to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. I'm your host, Jay. I've got John Perlis with me. Good morning, Perley. Good morning, Jay. I love that opening. 25 years. You ever think of how many rounds of golf you played in 25 years? You know, there's something on my website, my old website, we used to have um, how many different golf courses I've played and how many miles I've actually walked. And this was stunning. No wonder I have a part of my body hurts. <laughs> I think at last count, and this was several years ago, I was at 61,000 miles. That's amazing. But you say your body hurts. I know when we're out there, sometimes the things that beat you up the worst are sitting on the airplanes, on and off the airplanes, yep. in and out of the rental cars, yep. in and out of the hotels. Right. So the golf is tough on it, no question, because yep. you guys are doing something, you know, really stretching your body out. But I would contend those others had at least as much to do with the aches and pains. No, no question about it. Our first segment is uh, um, we have formatted the show like around the golf. So the on the range segment is formatted by my friends at 20 minutes of fitness, 20 minutes of fitness once a week, 20 minutes of fitness. That's all you need. It works for me. And you know, if it hasn't, if it wouldn't be for somebody like 20 minutes to fitness or some sort of exercise program, Man, I could have never, never played nearly as long as I did. And it would have been cool if you would have started that 25 years ago. What, 20 minutes of fitness? Yes. I, I started all of the wrong stuff 25 years ago, and now 20 minutes of fitness is trying to save me. And it's not. And they're saving you. I know, they're saving me, but I, I don't know if they're, they could keep the rate up as we uh, continue they to age. They can't turn the clock back exactly. Well, that no. They're just holding that handle down so it doesn't keep moving. No, they can't. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Let's go straight away to our friend Justin Hoagland at Golf Tech. Justin is a fellow uh, PGA of America member and uh, professional and uh, city manager for Golf Tech. So uh, let's let's jump in with Justin. Okay, that's great stuff from Justin, and um, I'm excited about this show. We have got the first half of the David Faraday interview, and um, man, it's, I, I think people are going to love this thing. I was so excited when you got him. I mean, I don't know that people realize how many incredible interviews you're going to have on this show, but I'm not sure how many are going to be better than David Faraday. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you think about a whiteboard, you know, where there's nothing on it, and you do your prep because, you you know, you want to be respectful to your guests and you want to be informed and you want to make this interview sound right and and sound meaningful and i i think i mentioned even to him i'm like i've prepared for this and i feel so unprepared because you just never know where he's gonna go why do you think he's so popular jay what what are what's is there a formula here what is it that gets us well when i'm with him i always tell him it's his fake accent that fake irish accent but um we all know it's um there's nothing fake about that Irish accent, but he, um, you know what I, I think it is? It's his candor. He is extremely upfront. He is um, real. And the thing that I, I think people relate to the most are the trials, the tribulations, the failures, the, the and I hate to say failures because we all have those, just the setbacks. Let's the challenges. The setbacks, the, the challenges. challenges. And, you know, here's a guy that's, oh, man, bipolar disorder. Alcoholic was hooked on Vicodin and painkillers, and and hooked on golf. You know, there's a there's a lot of addiction uh, there, and um, being facetious, obviously, with a golf statement, but um, and he is he just throws it out there. His honesty, his ability to be authentic. I mean, most people stuff this these things in a closet and yeah. don't want to don't want anybody to shine any light on them. And to his credit. He's like, shine the light on it, man. Come and look at it. This is this is who I am. Well, people seem to like, and you see this in sports all the time, they like to see the guy at the top, I'm not sure like to see it, but get knocked off the perch, however it may happen. I think David kind of knocked himself off the perch time and time again. 
But I think what people like even more is to see these people climb back up to a fantastic place. We're seeing the same thing in many ways with Tiger, right? There's a guy that went from couldn't do anything wrong to, oh, my gosh, what is is in his closet? And unfortunately, we got to see a bunch of that. But, boy, the fans have received him with open arms. And I think they've done that with David from time to time. And I think we're seeing Tiger with a little bit more real, a little bit more candor, a little bit more human. And I think he's enjoying it. And David has clearly embraced it. And and maybe, and I guess I didn't realize they were such good friends. Yep. They, well, you know, um, he probably, and he says this on the second part of the interview that you'll hear uh, next week, um, I think he was probably part of 50 or 60 of Tiger's 80-something wins. Oh, as you know, far as uh, watching and uh, on course yeah, commentating, right? Okay. And right. Um, you know, the other thing that comes to mind uh, when I think of David Faraday is John Daly. John Daly is still once he plays on a PGA Tour event. You know, he's playing Champions stuff now, PGA Tour Champions. But when he t- still plays the odd PGA Tour event, he is still in the top three of the most popular, most followed players. And it's because there's another real guy. Yeah. He's he's you know, and diagnosed with alcoholism, and he still drinks. He's been obese, and he's lost his weight. He had his, he's gained it back. He's found his weight. He's lost it. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. He but hangs his laundry out there, literally. He, I think out when he's uh, riding around in his camper. He absolutely, he absolutely throws it right out there for everybody to look yeah. at. And I think there's just this crazy, endearing um, character about that. And and uh, that is, that's that's how it is for me. And I love these guys like Faraday. Now he's got that show that he does, and it's kind of a comedy show, real show, etc. And Daly uh, had his uh, his songs, and didn't he have it actually a, a group? And he's yes. out there playing, and then he's also putting up concession stands. I think he still does outside the Masters, yes. selling stuff. I mean, it's amazing. It's always <laughs> attached to a, a local Hooters. I don't know. You all make your own uh, judgments on that. That, you mean, uh, you mean yeah, I won't go anywhere yeah, on that we one. We probably yeah. shouldn't. Okay. Probably shouldn't. I can't see where it's going to um, uh, help us in any way. So what we're going to do, folks, is um, we're we're going to do some of our normal stuff. Instead of in the uh, front nine segment to read our email winner, we're going to read it at the uh, tail end of this uh, on the range segment. And then we're going to have Faraday for you, um, front nine and back nine. And then we're going to talk about it. And I uh, can't wait. Uh, I think it's, uh, well, you, you all can uh, decide for yourself, but why don't we go ahead and read the, um, the winner. So anyone that reaches out to us, you have your emails, questions, comments, a rules um, situation, anything you think uh, might be interesting, email it to me at j at jdelsinggolf.com. If we read your, your statement, your email on the air, you get two rounds of golf, at Gateway National. It's a great thing. Compliments of Walter's Golf Management. And um, today's winner is? Yeah, email is from Joe. I struggle around the greens. Should I open the face of my wedge? Should I keep it square? Should I use my wedge? Should I use my putter whenever I get a chance to use my putter? I'm just kind of caught in between and confused. Yeah, and I see this all the time. I mean, probably the worst, the thing that jumps out of my mind, Pearl, about that statement that Joe and Joe, thanks for the for yeah, thanks, reaching Joe. out to the show. The thing that that uh, the worst part of what I heard in there is a confusion, you know, because you'll see, you, you know, you'll hang out and see somebody that knows how to play the game. They've been around the game a lot, and they'll have some homemadeness in their game where they like to, maybe they only like to use their sixty degree wedge, and, and you know, sometimes they'll shut it down to hit a little lower shot, and that's all fine. But when you're confused and you don't know, and I'm sure there's some chili dipping going on, and I'm sure there's some sculling going on, and, and um, um, what I what I would do first for Joe is identify where his strengths are, and if it's if you're a good putter, um, and you can putt, you know, from say six to eight feet off the edge of the greens, go ahead, go ahead and do it, Joe. And if this is Joe Schieser, I'm gonna just I just can't imagine. Well, I'm, it, I'm laughing too because when in doubt, by the way, I, I, I'm gonna say it. Grab the putter, absolutely, because the the worst chip, the worst putt is gonna be ten times better than the worst chip. There's been For so sure. many of those old kind of lousy, uh, cliche sort of things that have been around in the game of golf, but that one is really true. the The worst putt is gonna be a multitude times better than the worst chip and um 
One of the things that you're going to have to do, though, when you encounter rough, you're going to have to get your wedge out. Okay, and the biggest thing about your wedge, I'm a proponent of get your hands about even with the ball. Don't get your hands too far forward. You do not need to open the face of your wedge. But what you do need to have is angle on your back uh, your backswing and your downswing. So you need to have the, the club lifted up a little bit so that the, the grass isn't interfering with the face as it comes in to swing with a ball. And then you're going to be able to drop that wedge right on the back of the ball and pop it up in the air. And that's a shot. I'll say this. Universally, I've, I've been around the world playing this great game. Universally, that is the single biggest thing that amateurs struggle with is trying to figure out how to hit a short shot high. And I love when you said earlier committing, and that's why I started laughing. Because I can remember throwing you under the bus here. It's time for that, by the way. It's that time of the show. You Usually would be, is. You would get incredibly committed on chip shots that I couldn't have disagreed with more. And the bottom line is, though, because you were committed, you would pull them off certainly more times than not, and sometimes extremely well. It it, it just really maze, makes that point that even if it's the wrong idea, if you're completely bought into it, it's got a good chance of working out. The thing that's never going to work, even if you're right, is if you're not committed. No, no question. And you're not building anything. That commitment is yes. absolutely crucial. That is a foundational block that we want to have in our games, and it's committed to what we're doing, even if it's the wrong club, not necessarily the correct shot for the for, for that moment in, in the on the golf course. So that's going to do it for the On the Range segment. We're going to take a short break. Uh, but stay with us. We're going to have the David Faraday that's interview that's going to start on the front nine. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. I just wanted to let you know that USA Mortgage has lowered its rates this month. That's right, they've lowered their rates. We are keeping them down as long as we can to take advantage of the great real estate market this spring. Buyers are flooding the market, values are going up, and USA Mortgage is ready to help you with you and your pre-approval, refi, or cash-out opportunity. We can help you eliminate your mortgage insurance, shorten your term, or pay off debt. Please call Joe Sheezer at 314-628-2015 to apply or get sound financial advice for your mortgage needs. Hurry while the rates are still low. You can apply online at usamortgage.com slash Joe Sheezer. That's S-C-H-I-E-S-Z-E-R. Or call him directly at 314-628-2015. NMLS number 231 Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Uh, I'm your host, Jay. I've got John Perlis here with me, and this is our, our segment we call The Front Nine, and we are going to go directly into the uh, David Faraday interview. So uh, have a listen and enjoy. I'm delighted to be sitting down with David Faraday right now. David, thanks so much for joining us. And I, I don't know if I've ever sat down with someone that um, I tried to prepare for this, and I, I really feel about as unprepared for this conversation as anything I've ever done. 
Oh, excellent. Uh, that's the way I like it. You know, I, I don't like, uh, I'm uh, so attention deficit that uh, anytime I prepare for something, you know, I always forget what the hell it was I was preparing for. So um, I think we're on the same page. That's probably why we get along so well, which is probably a scary thing. <laughs> yeah, really. It's big. It's, uh, we've got a lot of history, most of which I've forgotten. That <laughs> should be forgotten and won't be spoken of today, that's for sure. You know, I just want to go over just a few things to talk about your golf career a little bit. And I know you're very humble about this, but I, I, I did some research. I mean, 10 worldwide wins, two Ryder Cup appearances for the European team. Um, you know, back in the day, we played for no money. I mean, even in Europe, you guys played for less money than we played, and we weren't playing for anything over in the U.S. And, um, gosh, when I met you, uh, we had so much fun together, and uh, you were playing over here. I know it was a difficult time in your life, and, and this, this TV opportunity came along, and you were really ready to retire, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I was I was more than ready to retire. I was in, uh, you know, it was one of the lowest points of, of my life. Um, I was in the middle of a horrific divorce, uh, a spectacular divorce, you know, back page of the tabloid in the UK and all kinds of things. I was drinking like a halibut. Um, and, um, you know, I got into painkillers. Uh, and that's what alcohol was for me. You know, it, it was a painkiller as, as well. You know, so um, when the TV opportunity came, uh, came around, you know, I was only 36. And uh, initially I said to them, look, I think I've got a little golf left in me. Uh, you know, I would love to do this job in maybe four or five years. And then they told me how much they were going to pay me. And I said, would you like to buy a set of clubs? <laughs> These are for sale officially as of right now. Oh, that's 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 fantastic. Um, and how was the transition? How did you make that transition? It seemed so... Oh, smoothly to all of us um, to go from, you know, playing to, you know, an, an, an Irish guy. You've been over in the States just a couple of years, and now all of a sudden you're on a, a major network calling golf. Well, um, it, it wasn't really uh, – I don't think you could call it a transition. It, it was such an abrupt halt. I was uh, – I'd won a tournament in some communist country. I don't know where the hell it was. And I qualified for the, the, the World Series. Um, in 95 or 96, whenever it was. And uh, I was approached uh, by uh, a couple of gentlemen from CBS uh, at the bar uh, in the the Hilton uh, in Akron. We were playing at Firestone. And um, I I don't know what I shot the first round. It wasn't particularly good. And, you know, a guy sticks his hand out and said, we're from CBS. And I thought, oh, Jesus, 60 minutes. Um, This is going to be some fearless expose on drugs in sport or something like that. And um, it turns out Ben Wright had been fired. And uh, they were looking for somebody that knew the players on both sides of the Atlantic, that knew the caddies on both sides of the Atlantic. And as you know, um, the caddies are a, a sort of a, they're a vital part of uh, of television uh, televised golf. You know that's where people get most of their information, especially on the golf course. You know hand signals for clubs, and you know you know a little sort of backstories about the players and you know, things like that. So uh, I just happened to be the right drunk in the in the right bar at the right time. And, uh, you know, I, I said, yes, you know, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, they handed me a microphone two days later, and that was it. You never really looked back, did you? I, I remember talking to you, seeing you probably a year after that, and you said, oh, my gosh, I, man, I don't miss this at all. No, I, I, I've never missed it. Um, and, and, you know, when I, I turned pro at 17 with, with a five handicap, I lied about my handicap so so that I could turn pro. And I never thought uh, that it was what I would do for, for the rest of my life. I thought I'd be lucky to get, uh, well, I mean, I thought I'd be lucky to ever uh, be, be good enough to make a living playing the game. And um, when it came toward the, the end of my career, I, I wasn't, you know, making a living. I was in such bad shape uh, emotionally because of this divorce. And uh, I moved to America, uh, you know, to be with my, my two sons. Uh, I was playing the German Open in 1993, and the woman I was married to just up and, and left, went to Dallas. So that, that's how I ended up in, in this country. I remember talking to you, and I remember some of the heartache that you were going through then and um, and following those boys around. is uh, uh so admirable and exactly what I would have done 
and just kind of ripped your heart out, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's a tough thing. You know, being uh, being a professional golfer is, I mean, obviously it's extremely difficult to make a living. You know, the, the, you're surrounded by the best players in the world, uh, but uh, it's very difficult to, to have a home life uh, as well. Uh, to find a balance between the two, and that's why I admire you know people like Jack Nicklaus, uh, you know that uh, were, were able to find the time, you know, in between playing like a genius, you know, to be a, a great father and a great husband as well. Yeah, those examples are there. There's some great examples out there, and and um, it's a, a cool way to kind of transition to the next topic. You know, when you stopped drinking and you got the, the help from. God, man, some of the what, icons, the, the the true, you know, bastions of our game, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson. Yeah, it really, it, it really was a sign of what kind of community we golfers have, and and you know, some there for some of us, we may not have known that really even existed. Yeah, you know, the, the, the people out here on on tour and in professional golf and in general, and I, I think you know it. it, it it transfers over to professional sports. Um, there's tremendous empathy and and uh, a great deal of support, um, uh, obviously in team sports, but especially in individual sports and, and, and a, a game like golf, which is uh, it can be incredibly lonely both on and off the golf course. But uh, Jack Nicklaus and, and, and Tom Watson were both really uh, instrumental, especially Tom, who, who has been. Uh, such a great friend, you know, like a big brother to me over the last uh, 15 years. Um, he has been, you know, there for me every time I've been down. And, and you know, that's, that's been a lot. Well, I, I tell you, David, it reminds me of, um, I know you remember when, when uh, the late Payne Stewart went down in the plane crash and we turned around, I think we were playing in Orlando, uh, we just finished the Disney event, and I think he died the next day. And we turned around for um, for the funeral a few days later, and it was eye opening to me as a younger guy to see what the golfing community looked like and what they how how they showed up and what that looked like for for that event. And then, you know, thinking about what these guys did for you and the support you've got, it's it's a pretty cool thing that otherwise I may not have known. Yeah, it really is. You know that you know particular occasion was you know it's something that I I think I think about a lot. You know when I'm on a golf course, I think about pain, um, especially when it comes to the Ryder Cup or uh, the Open Championship. You know he, uh, I, I kind of looked after him when, when he came to the UK and uh, you know showed him around and, and spent a lot of time with him, and, and he did exactly the same for me. You know when I came to the United States. Well, that wraps up the front nine, but don't go anywhere. The David Faraday interview is only about halfway finished. Uh, So we're going to take a quick pause, but uh, come back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Are you looking for a golf training facility and PGA pros to help you out year-round? Make sure you get to Golf Tech. They've been in St. Louis since 2007 and have three convenient locations to serve you. They've got state-of-the-art video equipment, and you can take your lesson home with you and replay it as much as you'd like. Start with a golf swing evaluation for only $125 and let a Golf Tech coach customize a game plan for you. 314-721-GOLF. You can find them online as well, golftechcom St. Louis. Play better. Swing better. Golf Tech. I got a big shout out and a thank you to Whitmore Country Club for supporting my golf show. I don't know if you know, Whitmore Country Club has 72 holes of golf. There's a 24-hour fitness center and has an extremely large pool complex. This is a family-friendly country club to belong to. There's a kids club in the main clubhouse right near the fitness center. There are golf leagues, skinned games. Members, tournaments, couples events are available all year long. If you join at Whitmore, you also get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums, no assessments. Go out and see my friend Bummer out in the clubhouse. He is an absolute jewel and a wonderful guy that will tell you all you need to know. Or you can call Whitmore at 636-926-9622. 
After 25 years on the PGA Tour, Jay Delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro. Now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I've got John here with me. And uh, let's get right back to the David Faraday interview here on the Back Nine Golf with Jay Delsing. Let's talk a little bit about your show. You guys, are, you've just finished your eighth full season of your show. Wow, a hundred episodes. Yeah. You've hit these milestones. I mean, how the hell, how the hell did you do this? I mean, I look at the people, Bud, that you've interviewed, and I look at the list of guests. You know, I keep waiting for my invitation, but I, I guess the mail just doesn't deliver <laughs> this way. And I, I just, I mean, why do these people want to come on and, and talk with you? You know that that's a, an exceptionally good question, and I I don't like most exceptionally good questions. I don't know the answer to it. Um, I, mean, I think it's got a, a lot to do though with um, you know the, the game is, is it's like heroin. Uh, people get addicted to it, and and you know the one thing that. Uh, you know, is the, is the common thread, obviously, uh, you know, in my show is people have to be, whether they're an actor or a musician, a politician or, or an athlete, uh, uh, you know, they have to have an interest in golf. I mean, that that's it. I mean, they don't even have to play very much, you know, to be on my show. But people want to talk about it. They, they want to talk about the game. And uh, in that process, you know, they end up talking about themselves. And uh, it's... Uh, it, I, I just ask the first question and, and then I listen. Uh, you know, I, I love uh, interviewers, uh, you know, people like Johnny Carson and uh, uh, Michael Parkinson was uh, kind of an idol of mine uh, growing up. I used to love his show in the UK. Uh, Graham Norton, you know, as well. It, it's they all have one thing in common. It, it's they listen. Um, you, you get a lot of uh, uh, interviewers that uh, have got questions in mind, and they're determined, you know, to, to get them over. And it, it's almost as if they they, they don't uh, listen to, to the answer to the previous question. You know, they're so keen on, on getting the next one in. Excuse me. <clears throat> the, the the show has been incredible, and the thing that that, that um, for me that I love the most about the show, but is somehow you've managed through the game of golf to connect with these extraordinary people. And I look at, I just look at myself and just go, man, I'm 58 years old. I've never had an honest job in my life. And yeah, it's yeah, this game. Me I, I mean, it's this friggin' game and it's un, uncanny how great a game it is. Yeah, it, it is. You know, it, it's so addictive and, uh, you know, we need to keep it that way. Uh, you know, get more women and children involved in it because uh, I remember, you know, growing up, it was my dad that played. And, uh, you know, when, when your father plays, you know, generally speaking, you know, a little boy or whatever will come along and that kind of thing. But if your mother plays, you know, the whole family shows up. And uh, th that's, uh, I think that's really important. Yeah, if you get the backbone of that family. And, and, and more times than yeah. not, at least in my estimation, you know, these these women are the backbone of the family and they're going to they're going to herd those cats in that direction. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Troops First Foundation. You're building homes. I mean, how did you get involved in this? And, and, and I know this is about your this is your eighth year in that, isn't it? Yeah, um, it, it's uh, it's a derivative i think of of uh, where i grew up jay uh you know i i, I grew up in a war zone in the uh, 60s and, and 70s and 80s in uh, in northern ireland when there were you know troops on the street and roadblocks and uh checkpoints and bombs going off and uh sectarian murders um you know every you know, day or, or uh, you know, it seemed like that, you know, at the time. And it, it didn't feel abnormal to me. That's just the way the world was. And uh, when I moved to the United States, uh, you know, I fell in love with this place so quickly. And uh, when 9-11 happened, I, I was horrified at the thought of, of things like that happening here. Uh, I couldn't bear the thought of it, of it coming here. You know, so uh, it took me a while to, to figure out what I wanted to do, but uh, I ended up going to uh, Iraq um, in, I think, 2006 uh, to entertain 
you know, the, our, our troops, and they, were, they weren't my troops at the time because I, was, I wasn't yet an, uh, an American citizen. But uh, I, I came back from uh, Iraq stunned uh, at, at the quality of, of the, the, the kids that we have out there and, and the job that they were doing under the most difficult of circumstances, you know, things like the restraint that they showed on a daily basis, uh, not pulling the trigger. Uh, and the love they had for each other, the compassion they had for the people in, in Iraq. And uh, I, I needed to do two things. Uh, I needed to be an, an American citizen, and uh, so I could call them my troops. And um, I, I needed to to try to do something for them when they came home broken. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's all very well. I've been to Iraq a couple of times and to Afghanistan. Uh, you know, you spend a week there and you go around forward operating bases and they fly around in helicopters surrounded by special forces. And it's it's the most incredible privilege, you know, to, to be over there. You know, and they thank you for being there all the time. And, and in one of the common threads um, is uh, is golf. Uh, every forward operating base has, has some kind of a range, whether that's just whacking it into a net or or uh, hitting balls into the desert. Uh, you know, we were at a forward operating base uh, on the Syrian border called Korean Village, and uh, I ended up on the roof of of the chaplain uh, his uh, his hut. And uh, I remember it was the Reverend Tim Ferry, and uh, there's a big Marine up there. Tom Watson was giving him lessons, and we were sitting in deck chairs, uh, you know, watching. The, they, they broke open glow sticks and poured them over the golf balls, and they were like tracer bullets going out into the Arabian night, which is <laughs> so black. Uh, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, what, what an unbelievable moment. You know, a, a time to be able to spend, you know, and see this, this you know, it, it just incredibly unusual uh, thing, a, a beautiful thing like that. Wow. That's awesome. Um, How did you ever get, when did you first meet him? When did you first meet Dave Ferry? You know how weird the tour is? You, It's a, such a small group of, of folks. He came over, and I knew of him. Uh, but we certainly didn't have any sort of history or any sort of real friendship. And just by the way the pairings broke out, we wound up getting paired together, I don't know, four or five times in a in a short period of time, then maybe once on the weekend or something like that. And uh, we just hit it off. We just had such a great time playing. As we played, we talked, we laughed. It was just, uh, you know, we then we'd have lunch after um, – it, it, we just struck up our friendship that way. Um, I was always a fan. We've always had fun together. And um, when the troops first stuff started coming around, he had asked me to do, a, uh, you know, could I, you know, go to San Antonio and to do some things for for the heroes and help them raise money. And of course, I've been honored. You and I have talked about this. You know, our generation didn't really have any involvement in the services. I didn't have any friends that enlisted. We didn't have a real fight. You know, my dad was in World War II. I know your dad was in the Korea. Korean, yep. Korean War. And so, but our, I wasn't, and it wasn't even a consideration, you know. And so this was, this really filled a nice void for me to feel as if I was more patriotic for lack of contributing anything to yep. say. Yeah. And, and, and um, oh, just the people that I've met and uh, things that I want to continue to do. I mean, you're involved with me with another um, endeavor where we um, we raised some money and bought a couple of service dogs yeah. for two fallen heroes. And um, I will tell you, folks, David and a guy named Rick Kell, who's the executive director of the Troops First Foundation, do you remember how emotional that, um, that um, audio portion he sent our board? Yes. I remember how emotional you were on top of all of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, the the uh, the four men in the room were crying. I mean, the, the, what these dogs do for um, you know these these people that have sacrificed and lost so much—it's uh, incredible. But um, so your buddies with him when you're playing, then it's a kind of a cool transition. He's done playing now. You're towards you know you're kind of yep. done. You're going to play a little bit more, and so you have that in common with him kind of going forward. But when you guys played together. And some people don't even really realize that he played, right. and he was a heck of a player. Right. What What was he good at? What How did he? What was his game look? What did it look like, Jay? He was a really good putter. He was not long. He was not powerful. 
but he was straight off the tee, and he was just um, he was tidy. All mm-hmm. all aspects of his game. And one of the things, and what I mean by that is, he he could save shots. He was economical on the golf course. He didn't throw a lot of things away. And um, well, damn, he's won ten times around the world. Yeah, yeah. He's been on two Ryder Cup teams. I mean, he he pokes and fun did at well him. on the in Ryder Cup at least one. Yeah, he he pokes so much fun at his career, and you know he retired when he was thirty six years old. I love that story that he told. That <laughs> I think that's just so classic him, yeah, uh, yeah. and it's just a lot of fun. And I and obviously the TV people saw the personality that he has, and that's why they wanted him. They wanted some some color. They wanted some fun. I think he's done some writing before too. This guy has got an um, an opera level voice. He can sing like crazy. He never does. He um, he's he's got um, a, a lot of. Um, uh, pretty incredible uh, gifts that uh, you know most of us don't have. I think that some of the other pieces, and we just you were kind of talking about it with the whole uh, military support, but the, the the transition he made from player, obviously all kinds of personal transitions as far as marriages and his other challenges, etc. But the, that challenge to go from, and we can all relate to this, whether we're professional golfers or not. How do we make the challenges? Heck, early years from school to a career, from one career to another career. Those are not easy things. Sometimes somebody might fall into something that's a little bit comfortable, but normally there's a whole learning curve, there's discomfort, etc. He seems to have done incredibly well. And again, like a lot of things, he plays it down, but it's pretty impressive. You're, you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of transition, which is this radio show and other things that are happening. Right, it's not easy. And I mean, you know, you get some, some punches thrown at you and they 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 hit and uh you you definitely feel uh oh some vulnerable in, in in a way and one of the things that uh that stuck out in my mind with him is um the cbs folks offered him this job and he thought you know i'm only 36 i still got four or five maybe six years left to play until he said he saw how much money they offered him and then he said does anybody want to buy a set of clubs um yeah, I, I think it's um, – I, I talked to him. He came to St. Louis and picked me up. We did something at Oakmont in October. And he said to me – I said, how are you doing? And he said, I just – I'm doing – the worst part is if I stay home too long. Mm-hmm. I, he said, I love to work and I, lo- I need to be doing something. And um, he said – you know, and he had his wife Anita with him and she is an absolute – rock and a, a very stabilizing force for him and um he just loves to you know he just did a fred couples interview and he had worked for quite a while to get fred on the schedule because i don't think fred was all that keen in opening the door to let people in but i did not see that interview i've, I've seen did. parts of it yeah. and it's excellent i want to see yeah. the whole thing yeah. and, and until what i liked about parts of it and i think Faraday does a great job in his interviewing to do this he really got Fred to open up and say some things that even if you kind of know Fred, which I know a little bit through you, and I actually got to play with him once, you still go, wow, did you really think that? So I think it's an excellent interview. One other thing I want to throw out there, and I felt this when I played, I want to ask you about it. When when David talked about being lonely on and off the golf course, meaning as as a player, how hard that is, because you're not a team. You're, you're kind of on your own. And it's not like guys are rooting against you, although they are. Oh, yeah, right, right. But talk about that a little bit, Jay. And, and, you know, you're such an extrovert, so did you feel that kind of loneliness or that kind of being out there on an island type of a thing on and off, uh, or is that more kind of a personal thing that maybe David David felt? Yeah. I, oh, I'd be lying to say if I didn't feel like – the the feels that at certain times the most difficult part about playing the tour is when it's not going well and you don't it's hard to find solace you know and and, and any comfort in anything because your the game is not your game is not good you're not you're you're not hitting on many cylinders and you're looking and searching and um you well, we've seen it over the course of my career, how many times, and we've talked about this before, how many times have guys got gotten into a rut and never been able to climb out? Yeah. 
and then also, you know, it 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 takes so much strength to keep going because you, you when you when you have that lost feeling and the the sensations in your swing and your game that used to work don't aren't working anymore and you know that's that's that constant change in life you know things are always changing and always you need to always adapt and um one of the things that helped me more than anything, Pearl, was to do my business when I got, you know, in back into my room. I'd get on my laptop and I'd start working my hospitality and entertainment thing. That helped you a lot, and that's paid dividends going forward because you're kind of in the middle of it now, and you and you have such a successful career at handling the hospitalities, the outings, and that kind of thing. Uh, I just think what's interesting too, we like to make the comparison from golf, professional golf. There's plenty of sales guys out there, same thing, right? They're not closing the sales. It's lonely out there on the road. And whether that sales guy or making presentations and things aren't going well. So whether you're a professional golfer or anybody that's traveling away from home, and we can have these feelings at home for that matter too and in the right. office, but I think that's a great place that people could absolutely relate to. You're out on the road. You made five attempts at sales. Nobody's biting. You're going to the next place. You're wondering what's going on. The competition's kicking your butt. You're starting to question yourself. We can all relate to that. Yeah, I was one of the thing I didn't mind being alone. I was one of those people that didn't mind being alone and I still don't, but it it's it's difficult. I mean, it it it, it gets overwhelming. We're going to talk get... more about that. I do not see you as a guy that doesn't mind being alone, maybe for like 10 minutes. Oh. But I mean, I can do days and weeks as you know cuz I'll go up to Canada and go fishing. I don't see that. That's, know, that's that's for the psychology uh, uh, show that we have in, in a couple of weeks or a couple months. My mom, God rest her soul, taught me that everybody has their opinions and it's just like a different part of their body and some of them are a little stinky, so let's go ahead with that. Um, you know what, that's going to wrap up. i leaving that alone. I know, that's going to wrap up the back nine. Um, thanks for joining us uh, and stay with us because we're going to move to the 19th hole. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing. They've been around since 1973, and it's been family-owned and operated the entire way. Father Danny Capps started it all, now sons Matt and Jared are fully involved. And at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, they host the area's largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel Furniture. Plus, you'll find a full-service Mohawk Color Center featuring carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. Everything is professionally installed at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, plus easy to Delivery and setup of new furniture, however and wherever you want it. They'll also haul away all of your old furniture. Can't beat that deal. Going the extra mile, that's what Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery is all about. Find them online, jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net, or call them 618-639-9858. Most people think to get fit, you've got to be in the gym five days a week. Well, I used to think that too, but that was before I discovered 20 Minutes to Fitness. 20 Minutes to Fitness makes it possible to achieve in one 20-minute session a week what might require three hours or more a week at the gym. It reduces the time it takes to exercise by up to 90%. Their trainers can get you in shape no matter what your age or fitness level. They do it using special equipment and safe, medically-based approach. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. Honestly, 20 minutes once a week. Sound too good to be true? Your first session is free, so try it and see for yourself. They've got locations in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness. It's just 20 minutes just once a week, and it works for me. I just wanted to let you know that USA Mortgage has lowered its rates this month. That's right, they've lowered their rates. We are keeping them down as long as we can to take advantage of the great real estate market this spring. Buyers are flooding the market, values are going up, and USA Mortgage is ready to help you with you and your pre-approval, refi, or cash-out opportunity. We can help you eliminate your mortgage insurance, shorten your term, or pay off debt. Please call Joe Sheezer at 314 314- 628-2015 to apply or get sound financial advice for your mortgage needs. Hurry while the rates are still low. You can apply online at usamortgage.com slash Joe Sheezer. That's S-C-H-I-E-S-Z-E-R. Or call him directly at 314-628-2015. NMLS number 231118. 
You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can get involved in the show by emailing your questions and comments to jay at jdelsinggolf.com. Well, thanks for staying with us. Um, this is Golf with Jay Delsing. My buddy John is with me, and we just finished 18th hole, 18 holes, and we're headed to a great part of the golf experience, the 19th hole. Um, and a David Faraday interview. Folks, remember, we've got the other half. The second half of the Faraday interview will be aired next week. Golf with Jay Delsing. Masters weekend, baby. Masters weekend is going to be a perfect way to wrap up that interview. And then we'll also talk about Augusta. We'll talk about the golf course a little bit. We'll talk about the prestige, the the first major. Uh, and you do outings down there. I do. I'll, I'll be down there. I just it's going to be great. It's uh, it's it's going to be perfect. But um, let me do a quick shout out and thank you to uh, Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring the Golf with Jay Delsing show here on 101 ESPN. There's 72 holes of golf at Whitmore, which just is incredible. There's um, access to other. Whitaker golf courses uh, like Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, the Golf Club of Wentzville. All the cart fees are included in that membership. So um, there's no food or bev- uh, food. Huh, let me start that over. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's never an assessment at Whitmore Country Club. A 24-hour fitness center is located near the large pool complex. There's tennis courts. The year-round social calendar, this this. This is really special, folks. It is a, we're talking about a really family centric golf uh, environment out here. There, there's a wonderful staff. There's holiday parties, picnics, date nights, live music, a kids club for your kids, uh, great junior golf facilities and and uh, and teams along with junior tennis and swim teams. Um, You've got to go say hi to my friend, Bummerberry. He's one of the assistants in the golf shop. He's one of the most authentic and fun people you'll ever meet, and he'll tell you, answer any questions that you might have about Whitmore Country Club. You can reach them at 636-926-9622. Man, the Faraday interviews, it's hard to get off, off my mind, but let's go talk a little bit about the Texas Open this week. It's down in San Antonio, the TPC of San Antonio. One of the f- biggest, coolest hotels I've ever seen, um, the, the JW Marriott down there is, uh, um, oh man, it, one, one of the things that I, when I've been to um, San Antonio, we actually use the facility there. We use the golf course. There's 36 holes of golf there. It's a Greg Norman design and a Pete Dye design. And um, some of the facilities there at the JW Marriott are just spectacular. One of the things to note about the the Norman course. When it first came out, and it's probably been 10 years now that we played the Texas Open, maybe not quite that many. Don't anybody check up on that. That's another one of those vague we facts. That we are responsible just, for details right, and no, facts. No. So, just close counts. Yeah, yeah so, somewhere along the line that golf course was built. And I can remember playing it with a, with a buddy of ours, Steve Lowry. He was an Alabama great guy, great PGA Tour career. And we played, and I looked at him after about seven holes and said, Steve, and he goes, I don't know what you're going to say, but he goes, I don't know if I can finish out here. We had a very, very breezy Texas morning, and the golf course was just so hard, so tight off the tee, extremely long. It happened to be wet as well because we had some spring rains, and the greens were so severe. They had to go in, and they had to clean out all these areas off the tee, Pearl, to make it playable off the tee and then soften up a bunch of the greens and I, is that the course the is that the course they play for the tournament it is and i've heard now that the that the players have uh have really taken a liking more to the golf course than they had and um because did they make some changes to yes. the course okay yeah they softened the greens and they okay. made it more okay. playable off the tee and one of the things that needs to be noted the texas open if if not the longest is one of the longest standing events on the pga tour and the fact that they got the date right before the Masters is really good for them. They have um, uh, they have a a, a golf uh, their section there in San Antonio does a great job. They they're in, they're involved in that tournament. It's lo- real strong local flavor, and um, the Texas Open has always been a uh, a mainstay on the PGA Tour from 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 the outset. 
How did you do in that tournament? Did you have any good years out there in that? You know, I, I had some nice finishes at some of the other courses. Oak, Hill, Oak Hills is one of uh, my favorite courses we played there. Uh, I played my first Champions Tour event there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, kind of finished about 20th or 30th. Not that great. I had a couple of um, top 10 finishes when we played at, um, gosh, there's a golf course, La Quintera. Resort. I, I, I know Lockenter. Yeah, Lockenter yeah. Resort is associated with the Westin mm-hmm. up there, and it's a it's an old rock quarry that they converted into a so you get to, into a golf course. They have got some real scenic, real bluffs and real elevated holes. It wasn't a gr- Tom Weishkopf is the designer. Not a great course by any means, but it's kind of a fun course to play. There's some um, oddities. You went to one hole. There's uh, six flags of Texas, mm-hmm. but it's up to one side of the the course and um and that's why you know that course will never go down as one of the best around because of you know some of you've got a roller coaster in your is your the texas open known for wind or not kind of standard standard wise because that'd be a little surprising before the masters whoever is not all the guys are going to get to play in the masters obviously right. but quite a few of them and they're not going to want to play in a whole bunch of wind and then go play augusta right because the wind just Beats that it beats you down. It can beat up your game. Hit, having to hit so many low shots and control shots, and um, I, I feel like when the Texas Open was played more in the fall before the schedule changed, I, th- I felt like we got more wind. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. So this is the you know the second. I guess it's actually the first week of April this year, and I, I don't think you're going to uh, deal with a whole lot of wind. So what kind of shots if you're getting ready to play this tournament? What kind of shots? You and I used to go walk around sometimes just with two or three clubs I'm carrying and say, let's just go hit some wedges and some putts. What kind of shots do the guys need to be focused on to play this golf course to the utmost? It it might be a little unique around the green or something like that. Um, Norman courses for me, my take on them, they're extremely penal around the greens. Very sharp edges, meaning... You miss the green on the short side, you're likely to have your ball roll down a hill and be 15 to 20 feet below the surface. So you're going to have to hit either um, some, typically speaking, Pearl, you're going to have to hit something high and soft from there because the 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 way, if it's a linksy sort of course, you might be able to play some bump and runs, but not here. It's going well, to be soft. That's right in line with the question we had, the uh, the email in. Uh, Joe talking, we said, hey, you got to commit. So what you're saying is you better commit to your shot here. So the, the fairways are going to be pretty tight. Yep. They're going to have to hit these soft flop shots. And if you're not committed and you're not going to go do your thing and stay aggressive, you're going to have some serious trouble. Right. And I think uh, Greg's influence had a lot to do. Uh, you've been to Australia with me. Yep. You've seen the way some of the golf courses are. Uh, Royal Melbourne and some of those courses, they, they almost have the, the green itself roll straight into the bunkers. And there's a lot of sharp edges where instead of we're over in the States, we have, you know, we'll have a fringe and then we might even have, you know, a couple of feet of longer rough, but not in Australia. And I see a lot of that influence in a, in a lot of Norman courses. You also have caddied and played at... Um, the the Sugarloaf Golf uh, TPC in Atlanta. Yes, I have. And um, and remember how how sharp some of the edges yes. there were. The eighth hole comes to mind, Pearl. That long dog leg, kind of like a little sweeping dog leg to the right, where Greg perched the green up in a strange angle. That if you miss it, miss the green to the right, your ball might roll thirty five yards. Yeah. I remember that was that was a tough place as well. So that, that's probably what I remember: the severity around the greens. Got to really got to really commit to what the heck you're going to do there. Yeah, but and and ironically, you know, you you take the modern game onto this Norman course, and it's not long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a long it's not a long golf course. Steve and I were towards the end of our PGA Tour careers when we were playing there, and both of us were long for our era, but. Neither of us are long for this year. Well, then if the wind doesn't blow, are they going to shoot some low numbers? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, every every does, single but, week. But to your point, if the wind does blow and they're just trying to hit those moon balls and not shaping their shots and not keeping their trajectory down and they're missing greens, there's going to be a problem. Yeah, there's no question about that. There's, there's no question about that. I saw that this year at Shinnecock doing the Open. I was amazed at the 17th hole of Shinnecock. It's, it was only a 170-yard par 3, but the brilliance in the way that the golf hole is set up, the green is angled at you in such a way that when the wind blows, it is 
really difficult to hit. And for my eye, I'd stand up there, the wind was always blowing in from the left. You know, for a right-handed golfer, that is a bear. That is such a tough wind. And I was always thinking, these guys are going to take something and hold it, hit a little draw into the, and not one of them did. They all sent that ball up in the air and let the wind just push it down to the right. And you know how that goes. Pearl, if that ball slightly miss hit, the wind just takes it and moves it. And so I was seeing shots. I mean, I saw Rory miss hit one, and it wound up right of the right greenside bunker on a 170-yard shot. You don't see that very often. The wind is the equalizer and maybe the only equalizer these days. And, and even that with the equipment and the ball, the way the balls change. How, how many times have we talked about, I would love to see the present-day player with some clubs from 35 years ago and the pro-trage, low-trage, the those old Bellata Titleist balls. And I would like to see if they're still going to make the same club selection and right. hit the same shot selection. I don't think they would be able to. I don't either. And I would think that the, that certain players would would thrive and certain players would go away. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I totally they would. Agree. I think they'd go away. The other thing is, think about this for a minute. With this club head speed, that balada was actually flying through the air, egg shaped, because because it was a wound ball, folks. This had real rubber bands in there. They'd have to change balls almost every shot. I didn't even think about that, they especially will as far as they're hitting that... it and with the clubs they're using. No, but they have to use the clubs we used 35 right. years ago. But even that, with the club head speed and the strength of these guys, you're right. They yep. would be changing them. And, yep. and I remember Ketting, you changed them quite a, quite a bit. Absol- Not just because when you cut the daylights out of them. Whoever thought, did that. No, <laughs> or hit a card path or <laughs> whipped it off that. a tree or <laughs> whatever. Right, right. No, I, I remember... Changing your balls a lot, and by the the well, the cover was so soft you literally could hit it nowadays in a waste area, and you would scuff it such that you weren't going to play another hole with it, just no. out of a regular waste area. And I'd remember play. when I'd get my new, I'd I'd change my wedges out probably yes. four times a year, so once a quarter I get new wedges in, and I'd have to I'd actually practice with old balls to try to not to to take a little bit of the sharpness off of those wedges and the grooves so they wouldn't tear up the ball. It would, it, would, it would scale the ball. Yeah, just it would that, just scale that paint right so off we, the ball. We, we, we would change them a lot. Yeah, we yeah. really did. Yeah, that, um, That's also when you used to get free free golf balls. Now you're not getting as many free golf balls. Are you trying to rub that in? Are you, try, are, you, are you getting free golf balls still? Uh, it's been quite a while. I think that, you know, it's funny. They, they, there's that saying out there, you know, they kind of forget who you are. Oh, they have forgotten St. Louis. That is for sure. Those, those Titleist shipments don't come this way anymore. I used to be able to give, you know, guys would go, hey, do you got a three wood? I guess I'd be like, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of stuff. I don't have anything anymore. And I, when I was if with it's the free, first, give me three. That, that was, was the a tour player motto. Yeah. Or if it's free, it's for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, <laughs> and, and give one, me three. one of the things that was so fun is that right around the holidays, you know, my friend, do you remember my friend George Willett? With yes, the, with I do. Taylor made I do. Great guy. Loved hockey. We talked blues hockey all the time. And he was uh, from Toronto. And he would say, I said, George, I, I'm thinking I'm going to need a new driver. He goes, Jay. Christmas is, you know, four weeks away. I'm out of drivers. I go, what are you talking about? How can you be out of drivers? He goes, you know, all of your friends come in and they fill up their, you know, they're looking for stocking stuffers. It's going to be drivers. So um, I think Steve Pate at one point may have held the record as far as number of clubs that he was given. Oh, I, I he and Pater's one of those guys. I don't really think he hoards them. He just loves to tinker yes, with that yes, sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think he was like I, I, he still. I would be say is considered a hoarder, but he, he tinkered with all of them. Yeah, he it wasn't but like there's hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. He had putters. I'll never forget. Pater won. I forget what event he won, and I'm playing a practice round. I played a practice round with him for 20 years, almost every week, and he went. I had a new putter out. I go. He didn't putt well last week. He goes. No, nah, I did. Yeah. Okay, what are you doing with that? Some guys like that. I was I just, the exact opposite as you, oh, as you I'm a know. dinosaur too. I would stick with something and oh man, it's brutal. It uh until I absolutely hated it. I I couldn't Well, at some it point anymore. I remember you saying to me, if I don't do this, yeah. I'm giving up so much yeah. to the field, it's a joke. I learned yeah, when the technology boomed and there was new stuff coming out, you had to you had to give it a try. Um man, that's gonna wrap up the nineteenth hole. Pearly, thanks so much for spending the morning with me. A lot of fun, Jay. Brad, thanks for working the uh, the board, and we need to get a. We're going to get you back on the show. We need an update on that driver that we uh, talked about last week. Um, we're going to start having some video uh, uh, post on your uh, your website and some yeah. of the social media, 
and maybe that's maybe uh, maybe a sizzle is the is the model for yeah. these golf lessons. Yeah, I we like that idea. Throw that out there, and we'll just have him. He'll be wanting to bowl in no time. You know, we'll have him so frustrated. <laughs> It'll be perfect. But um, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Uh, have a great uh, golfing spring, St. Louis. We'll be back at you next week, and uh, hit him say hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday from 7 to 8 for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com, as well as at jdelsinggolf.com. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors... We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.